evening, and then Funke will follow with our reading from Hebrews. Micah chapter 5, reading from the second verse. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who were one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time (coughs) when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, And he shall be the one of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. Hebrews 10, 5 to 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. But a body you have prepared for me, in bond offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, See, God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and bond offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, See, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, The child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to thee, 
Christ. Please be seated. When I was a lad, <clears throat> my dad often used to say that he only ever took me anywhere twice. The second time to apologise. <laughs> After last week, Bimby is giving me a second chance. A couple of weeks back, uh, Stephen Reed very bra- bravely admitted his dislike of Christmas. Not, of course, the, ascent- the central event, but all the hype and pressure that the world puts on Christmas. And I confess when I heard him say that, I identified with his feelings. But this morning, I want to share something with you about Christmas from my rereading of Genesis. Over the last few weeks and months, I've been going through Genesis with an excellent commentary in the Bible Speaks Today series by Joyce Baldwin. And what's come out of that commentary is that demonstrates uh, that Genesis and the stories therein demonstrate God's amazing faithfulness. God's amazing faithfulness. And alongside that, in those stories in Genesis, comes the response to that faithfulness, which is obedience, obedience. I guess all of us would agree that God is faithful, especially in his dealings with us as individuals. But I want to share with you something which is a little bit more than just that, It's his faithfulness in a way that we perhaps don't always think about it. Most of you will know, of course, that the book of Genesis, from its very name, is the book of beginnings, the creation story, the setting up of a people of God. But it's also a book from beginning to end of promises. Those promises begin in the post-garden fall, when God promises that one will arise who will crush Satan. Fast forward, we don't know how many years, but fast forward to Abraham or as he was initially, Abram. Not forgetting, of course, Noah and the rainbow. But fast forward to Abram. And that great promise in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that God promised that through Abram, all peoples would be blessed. All peoples. And as we read through Genesis, we find that that promise was 
remade through Isaac, Abraham's son, then through his grandson Jacob, and then on into Joseph. But where much, you ask, does God's faithfulness come in? After all, those promises made were never fulfilled, either in Abraham's time or by the end of the book of Genesis. In fact, there was only some, you could say, small measure of that promise being fulfilled 400 years later with the Exodus, when perhaps around about a million or so people left uh, Egypt under Moses' leadership. But the reality is that through the whole of the Old Testament, though that initial promise to Abraham that all people should be blessed through him was constantly thwarted not least perhaps through the arrogance of God's own people, thinking that he loved them because of something inherently special in them. Nevertheless, the promises were made and remade throughout the Old Testament, through the prophets. Our little reading from Micah this morning, a very familiar reading that if you're here tonight, you will hear again that promise of a child born in Bethlehem. The quote from Micah that Matthew uses in the familiar story of the visit of the wise men. The promises even then 700, before, 700 years before Jesus, was still not fulfilled. So what about God's faithfulness? Well, then came Christmas. One promised long ago was given, the Son of the Most High, who was to bring a restored relationship to all people into eternity. The one who is uniquely the way, the truth and the life. He was the one who was to bring the beginning of the fulfilment of those promises made thousands of years before. Christmas, I would suggest to you, is the example par excellence of God's faithfulness. But what about the meaning for us today? Put very simply, God's faithfulness means that his, when he makes a promise, he keeps it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. Obvious? Well, I'm sure that most of us here 
sort of know that. But for us finite humans, and that included Abraham all those millennia ago, it's hard when God's promises seem to be unfulfilled. Or at least they're not fulfilled when we expect them. And it's especially difficult when they're not fulfilled in our lifetime, let alone in generations to come. But God's faithfulness never wavers. His promises are fulfilled. We may not see that fulfilment, but they are and will be fulfilled. And Christmas and the whole events of the Incarnation are proof of that beyond all doubt. Why was there a 2,000 year delay from Abraham to Jesus? I don't know. But I do know that God is faithful. He promised to Abraham that through him all peoples would be blessed. And that's exactly what has happened. God makes promises and he keeps them. As Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1.20 that all God's promises are yes in Christ. All God's promises are yes in Christ. You may think this is a bit cheesy but on my door key, I have a, a, a little key hob. I still have got no memory where I got it from or when. But it simply says, God said it, I believe it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God's utter Faithfulness. But this brings me to my other word for today. Obedience. Our response to God's faithfulness is to be obedience. It's settled in the Christmas story. But, of course, it was there back in Abraham's time. How is obedience to be manifested in response to God's faithfulness? It's to be manifested in us believing and acting. In Genesis 15, 6, just after that amazing promise of God, we read, Abraham believed and it was counted unto him righteousness. And commenting on that in Romans, Paul writes that because of that, Abraham is considered to be the father of faith. But he didn't just believe, he acted on that belief. 
perhaps supremely in the near sacrifice of his son Isaac. And as we fast forward 2,000 years to the Christmas story, we read of Elizabeth's pronouncement over Mary that we heard in our Gospel. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And that in turn was actually a response to Mary's belief and willingness to act. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. For us today, 2,000 years from that event, God's faithfulness calls us to respond in obedience. The promises that we read in Scripture, the way we are to live revealed in the Word, or perhaps promptings that the Lord gives us Today, whether it's a prophetic word or a feeling that we get, we should call somebody or a name comes in our mind, we are to believe those and act on them. Even in our Hebrews reading, which in a sense was a little bit difficult if you don't read the whole passage in context, but it does say what Jesus said to his father, here I am, I have come to do your will. God's faithfulness, our response in obedience. But I believe, lastly, that there's a kind of synergy here, an interaction between those two things. Our obedience in response to God's faithfulness needs to lead us to be faithful in action. We're all familiar with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace. But in that list is Faithfulness, having been made in God's image, as Genesis reminds us, we are to reflect his character. So if God is full of faithfulness, we too, by his spirit, are to be that. Sadly, I believe that faithfulness is in short supply in our society today, and sadly, not sometimes in the church. You've only got to look at the marriage and divorce statistics to see evidence of that. But there are many other examples. Perhaps that was a reason for the delay in the Old Testament promises coming to fulfilment. Our faithfulness 
coming out of our obedience to the one who is supremely faithful, means that we keep our promises, even in the little things, like promising to give someone a call. We might be even walking out of church and say, I'll give you a call later. And then it just goes out of our mind. As Christians, we should be faithful in the little things as much as the big things. One of the things that I was always sort of embarrassed about when I was a school teacher. In the early days, back in the 70s, some of you may remember them, but back in the 1970s, we didn't have computers and word processors, so all our school exams had to be handwritten and sent to the office to be typed and duplicated. And naturally, the office set deadlines so that they could get them all done, etc. But there was one member of staff who, year after year, was late, handing everything in. And it used to infuriate the office staff. Why was I embarrassed about it? It was because it was our school chaplain who was a lovely Christian, loved the Lord. But he was not faithful in that small act which had an impact on other people. Some of you may remember the old saying, do what you say rather than say what you do. So finally, as Advent reminds us, looking back to that stable is the guarantee of God's faithfulness in all his promises, those that are to come. Because of Christmas, we can be absolutely sure that Jesus is coming back to herald a new heaven and a new earth with no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Every year, the world seems to herald Christmas earlier and earlier, not least in the card shops and supermarkets. But God has outdone them all. His promise of Christmas goes back to the dawn of time. His faithfulness in his ancient promises brings fulfilment in the real meaning of Christmas. And because of his faithfulness, we can trust the future to him, living faithfully and obedient to his promises. Amen. Thank you, Keith. Faithfulness and obedience. And the words of 